This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Hi, family of God. So great to be with you again this weekend. We had a wonderful celebration. I thoroughly enjoyed my time. So did Dr. Bev. We love you. We miss you already. We arrived home in San Antonio on a Tuesday night and had a little jet lag, not too bad. We're doing fine. Now, we're ministering directly to you in Johannesburg at CFC. And we're going to be talking about prayer. South Africa and the whole world is in desperate trouble. And most people don't have a clue. The Father God said, call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. I will deliver you. That's Psalm 50 and verse 15. If we don't call, we will not be delivered. He said, call on me. That means I'm not going to deliver you unless you call, right? Call on me. If we don't call, we can't expect to be delivered. Prayer is desperately needed in South Africa and the rest of the world right now, right now. So today, I believe you'll be encouraged, you'll be encouraged to pray, motivated to pray, and you'll learn something about prayer that will help you, encourage you, and strengthen you. So let's begin. I think after the celebration, we understand how important prayer is, right? And why we need to pray. Okay. We're going to be inspired to pray today. We are talking about nine reasons, or ten reasons, really. Well, the title is Ten Reasons, why praying in the Spirit is important. And we are dealing with reason number four, reason number four, which is why praying in the Spirit is important is because it encourages us greatly. Praying in other tongues, now heavy prayer languages, encourages us greatly. All right, if I don't pray in the Spirit on a regular basis, I will sense sadness, emptiness, and loneliness creep into my heart. You will too. If you don't pray, if you miss a day or two, you're going to feel, sense, sadness, emptiness, and loneliness creep into your heart, and it's going to get worse and worse. Just, it'll grow inside of your heart. Just like we get hungry physically, so we get hungry or thirsty spiritually as well. That is no time to go to a pastor for prayer. If you get hungry or thirsty spiritually, that doesn't mean you need to go to a pastor to get prayed for. It doesn't mean that you need to go to a counselor to counsel you or to go to a fridge in the middle of the night and just overeat. That's what some folks do. They don't understand. They can't deal with these challenges that way. We have to pray. There's no alternative. That's the time to get on our knees and pray and read the Bible. 
then we will sense encouragement from the Holy Spirit. We'll see that come to us, experience it in our hearts. And we need this from God on a daily basis that only comes by praying in the Spirit and reading our Bible. We can see this in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. He who prays in other tongues edifies himself. Now that word edify, what does it mean? It means to build yourself up. Build yourself up. Strengthen yourself in your heart. It doesn't say that God edifies you. It says we edify ourselves. Did you see that? He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. We can determine how much edification or building up inside we need ourselves. We determine that by the time, amount of time we spend praying in the Spirit. Today, if our car battery goes flat, we throw it away and buy a new one. But back in the old days, when I grew up, if your battery went flat or died, you'd simply take it to the garage and they would put it on a 48-hour direct current charge. Then after two days, after 48 hours, you take the car battery, put it back in the car, and the car would start. Now, <clears throat> that battery then was recharged. Our spirit man, the real person on the inside of you, the real you, you live in this body, but the real you on the inside needs to be recharged every day. The anointing and presence of God refills our hearts every day when we pray in tongues. We are charged with power as we pray in tongues, as we spend time in the Word. Jesus said, when you receive the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, you will receive power when the Spirit of God comes upon you, Acts 1.8. You will receive power. So this power comes when I pray in tongues. He didn't say you might receive power. He said you will receive power. So when you pray in tongues, you are charged up with power, God's power. Jude 20, Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up. See that? Not God, but you. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. All right, say this. I build myself up by praying in the Holy Spirit or praying in other tongues. Say that. I build myself up by praying in the Holy Spirit, by praying in other tongues. Good. Now, it doesn't say that we increase our faith. It doesn't say that. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. It didn't say you increase your faith. It said you build yourself up on the faith you have. I'll explain it. It doesn't say increasing your faith. It says because faith comes by hearing the word of God. So faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Faith does not come by praying in tongues. 
Let's get that out the way. A lady came up to me many years ago and said, I just read that verse, and so I'm praying in tongues now so I can have more faith. I said to her, well, I hate to break the news to you, but that's not going to increase your faith because Romans 10, 17 said, faith comes by hearing God's word. No, praying in tongues will not increase your faith. It says we build ourselves up when we pray in tongues on the faith we already have, on the faith we already have. So the Holy Spirit gave me this idea to explain what that means. Here we go. Let's say a farmer planted two acres of mealies or corn seed. And the rain came. My question then is, how many acres of harvest can the farmer expect to get? How many acres of harvest? If he planted two acres of corn seed or mealies seed, how many acres of harvest can the farmer expect to receive once it grows up? Obviously, two acres. He will receive two acres of harvest because he planted two acres of seed. Likewise, according to the proportion of the word of God in us, when the rains come, in other words, the anointing comes, by praying in tongues and reading the Bible, or worshiping God in the Spirit, when the anointing comes as a result into our hearts, then our faith will be encouraged and strengthened according to the proportion of word that has already been deposited into our hearts. You got it? Our Faith will be encouraged according to the proportion or the amount of word that we have already deposited or planted into our hearts. We won't get four acres of faith encouragement if we only have two acres of faith word planted. Got it? Okay, that's what that's telling us. Now, let's say this together. It's important for me. Let's say that again. It's important for me to pray in the Spirit. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. He helps me in every way imaginable. He is my dearest and closest friend. I am learning to know him. I am learning to trust him. I am learning to depend on him. I am learning to know his ways. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are God. You are with me now. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You will never abandon me. No tragedy will ever come my way. 
without you warning me first. When I sense the need to pray, I will immediately yield to you. Say it this way. I will immediately yield to you, Holy Spirit. Because I understand you will either be protecting me when I sense the urgency to pray from danger or you could be bringing me into a perfect blessing, bringing to pass God's plan for my life. You could be giving birth spiritually to your destiny for me. You could be arranging people, places, and things in my future ahead of time for my arrival so that I will be helped through difficult times or helped to fulfill the dream you have put into my heart. Wow. Let me tell you something, family. We can't do without the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can't pray in tongues. My heart breaks for you. But this is a gift everybody can receive and need to receive. All right. Reason number five why praying in the Spirit is so important is it develops power with God. It develops power with God. It increases the anointing in our lives. Mark 9.25 will prove that. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed the man greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and arose, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast out that devil? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. This kind of demon can come out by nothing but prayer. In other words, there are some kinds of demons, a few, that will not come out without you first spending time praying in other tongues. Why is that? That means that we need a greater anointing when we come to cast out certain kinds of demons. And that anointing, that additional anointing, stronger anointing, obviously comes through time in prayer. That's what Jesus is saying. 
This demon comes out by time in prayer, praying in the spirit before you address the demon because you'll have a greater anointing on you, which gives you greater authority in the name of Jesus. Amen? Isaiah 10, 27 also confirms that. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke, referring to Satan's bondages, will be destroyed because of the anointing. The result of spending time in prayer brings the anointing. Now, what is a yoke? A yoke is used by farmers to span their oxen together in order to pull a plow. Now, the yoke is heavy, it's restrictive, that bull can't move as it should. It makes it hard for the ox to walk. If the ox had to live in the yoke all the time, it would be weighed down, weighed down, and restricted in its movements. So the farmer takes the yoke off the ox when the day's work is done. Unfortunately, people meddle in things that the Bible forbids, and the devil puts a yoke on them. You see, when we start meddling in stuff, the Bible says, no, don't do it. That opens the door for the devil to attack us, and demons can put us into bondage. A yoke can represent many different kinds of problems and bondages. For example, there could be family problems. There could be business problems. There could be health problems. There could be financial problems. All of this attack, relentless, continuous attack, is because we have an open door somewhere. We are allowing the devil to come in and do it in our lives. If we disobey the scriptures in any place, or we don't do what we should be doing, see, it's one thing to do the wrong thing, but not to do the right thing is also the wrong thing. That can open the door for the devil, right? The devil causes them these problems, or we could be causing the problems ourselves by wrong choices. Instead of waiting on God for instruction direction, we go make decisions I'm referring to destiny-defining decisions. I'm not talking about the everyday decision, like I chose not to put a tie on today. That's not going to change my future. Now, say this, please. The anointing breaks the yoke. God's presence moving in drives out the devil. Again, God's presence moving in drives the devil out. Okay, praise God. Now go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. All right? So here, the word of God tells us that the Holy Spirit strengthens our spirit, our inner man, when we pray in tongues, strengthens us. 
with might. The spirit of man is strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit when we pray in other tongues. All right. Reason number six why praying in the spirit is so important is it brings peace and refreshing to our hearts. So that praying in the spirit brings peace and refreshing to my heart. Isaiah is prophesying about the New Testament church that will pray in tongues when it's born. This is way back now, many years before Jesus came to the earth, Isaiah said the following in Isaiah 28, verse 11. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. This is referring to the church in the future praying in tongues. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. And that's verse 11. Verse 12 says, To whom God said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. This is the refreshing. Say this, please. Praying in tongues, spending time praying in tongues, brings refreshing and rest to my heart. Now, how many of you have proved that statement to be true in your life? I have. I'll talk about that in a moment. If you come home from a hard day at the office, close the door, sit in your chair, and pray in tongues, you will be refreshed. You will be refreshed. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So, this is saying, let's just say this together. When I speak in tongues, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. That's what it said. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be forgiven. I brought it out. Give you, get born again. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It's talking about the results of praying in tongues. Now when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit, and they hear someone speaking in tongues for the very first time, it sounds like stammering lips. This is a good description of speaking in tongues, especially when someone starts speaking in tongues for the very first time. I remember I received the Holy Spirit when I got born again shortly after in 19... 71, I was staying in an apartment block at the time, 
And I did not want to be disturbed or disturb anybody else around me. So I went down into the street and prayed in my little VW minibus. I had a VW minibus. Theo's disco written on it with flowers all over it. It was a red one. And it was parked in the street outside the front door of the apartment block. So I went down there and I prayed. Closed the door, closed the windows too. I prayed one word. That's all I had. Hands were laid on me in church and I got one word. I went home and I prayed in my minibus. For five hours, I prayed that one word. The next night, I went down there again and I prayed five hours, just that one word. See, like a baby learns one word, right? When it starts talking. So that was it. It might be mama or dada or whatever. I, I used that one word for five hours. Now the third night I went down into my little minibus and I prayed that one word again for five hours. You could say I was determined, right? Now then, on the fourth night, I was lying on the carpet in my lounge or living room, and I was reading a book written by Popov, a man who was persecuted and tortured for his faith behind the Iron Curtain. I don't even know where that book is anymore, but if you ever get that book, I encourage you to read it. He was tortured for his faith, and he describes all the stuff that he went through. It was terrible. And describes how the Christians were tortured, tortured behind the Iron Curtain. I was so burdened for these Christians behind the Iron Curtain that I began to pray for them lying there. I put the book down. I was lying on my belly, on my stomach, on my chest, on the carpet in the living room. And I just said, Holy Spirit, just help me pray for these people. And I just began to pray for them. And a half an hour later, I came to myself. Came to myself. I realized I'd been praying fluently, aloud, in other tongues, in the Holy Spirit, with a beautiful prayer language. A beautiful prayer language. I did not care what it sounded like. I just put my sails up and let the wind take me and prayed out aloud in tongues for half an hour. But I only realized that at the end of that that I had done it. So the Holy Ghost just did it all come out, praise God. Before I got saved, I was running nightclubs. I lived a wild and sinful life. I had long hair down to my shoulders. And six months after I got saved, I went to look for a job selling furniture still with my long hair. And I spoke to the personnel manager at Bear Brothers. His name was Pat Lassick. I still remember that. This is going back to 1972 now, six months after I got born again 
in the September 12th, I've got to say September 12, 1971. And so I spoke to Pat Lessig, and he said to me, you are the man we have been looking for to sell furniture in our new modern furniture shop. So I said, okay, great. And so they took me down to Zodiac Finishes on West Street in Durban. And I was introduced to the sales staff there and the manager. Now, I spoke about Johnny Krobler in uh, part three of this series. He was the manager when I left Zodiac. There was a different manager working there in charge of Zodiac Finishes when I joined initially. All right, now, so the sales lady working there, I won't mention her name, about 30 years old, a pretty lady, an attractive lady, and she used to wear the dresses so, so low that I thought we could have an accident. Very possibly. And she used to play up to this manager who enjoyed it, and to customers that came in, and to other people that came in. And then they'd play rock and roll music all day long in the shop. They had these records, you know, these plastic discs back in those days. And uh, when there were no clients in the store, the staff would dance among the furniture with each other. The shop was always filled with unmarried people coming in there. It seemed like a nice place to hang out for some reason. And then at 5 o'clock or later in the afternoon, just before we closed, like maybe the last 30 minutes before we closed, they'd bring out the wine and the cheese and the biscuits, the salty crackers, and they would have this music playing and some of them would dance, but... And they would tell dirty jokes with each other, real dirty jokes. And, uh, and clearly, you could see some of them were trying to seduce others to sleep with them. You could see it, you know. I, I came out of that world. I could see it as clearly as anything. And I had been saved only eight months at the time. And since God delivered me from all that mess, and I refused to be drawn back into it again, I had a wonderful salvation. I was not going back to that world. I just kept my head down and kept serving customers until 5 o'clock until I could go home. But when I got home, I just walked into my home, my house, and I fell on my bed, on my face. I just lay there and I prayed out aloud in other tongues for about half an hour. For about half an hour, I just prayed in tongues, lying on my face on my bed. And this is what happened to me. As I was lying there praying, I experienced a spiritual shower. Not only outside, inside my heart, my, my mind and my, my spirit. 
That's the best way I can describe it. A spiritual shower. I sense rest coming, refreshing coming. And all that nonsense was washed away off of me, out of my mind. I felt like I was at some beautiful seashore with palm trees all around on the beach, a calm sea, no waves, like a big lake. I felt so peaceful just lying there on my bed. And um, all that stuff was gone. I'm talking about praying in tongues brings a refreshing, a refreshing. Times of refreshing come. I don't know about you, but I need that every day. It's calming. It's soothing. Some people are like a cat on a hot tin roof. I wonder if they ever actually pray in the spirit much. Because if they did, that, wouldn't, that would stop. Now then, in 1996, I got up early in those years. We didn't have a Saturday night service. So I'd get up about 2 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I'd go to bed at 8 on Saturday night. Get up at 2 o'clock on Sunday morning, and I would just spend time praying in the spirit reading my Bible, and I'd read through my message. Go have a shower and go to church. So this particular Sunday morning, I got about 2 o'clock, and when I was praying, suddenly a burden entered my heart to pray. What's that mean? Well, I sensed like someone close to me, even in my family, was in grave danger and about to die if I did not pray and intercede stand the gap for them on their behalf. So I had this burden. I committed this to the Holy Spirit. I said, dear Holy Spirit, I don't know what this is about. You do. But you want me to pray, so I yield to you now. Go ahead and intercede because you pray according to the will of God. So go ahead. And I began to pray. One hour, two hours, three hours, four hours. Then time came. I had to go to church. But I sensed this burden was lifting. I, I, I sensed that about 85% of the victory won. About 85% of the victory won. So I went had a shower and went to church. We had our services that Sunday morning. And when church was over, Dr. Bev put Candace in her car and drove home. About two, three minutes later, I put Natalie into my car and drove home. So when we got to the bottom of the driveway, looking up, we had a brick driveway, brick paving. Looking up, the gate at the top of the driveway had fallen down and was lying on top of the brick paving lying flat on a brick paving. Now, <clears throat> this was a steel gate, about seven meters long, and about at least two meters high, because trucks could drive underneath the overhead. 
So it had to be at least two meters high. And because it's made of steel, it must have weighed about 1,000 kilograms, I'd say. I have never weighed it, I'm just guessing. Now, you had to push the gate by hand because the electric motor had not yet been installed. And it would run freely because it was on rollers. No problem, you could just push it like it one hand. Roll nice and freely. So as I came up the driveway, I saw this gate lying on the brick paving and I saw Candace at that time, she's about six, seven years old, sitting down next to the gate and she was crying and Dr. Bev was kneeling down beside Candace, attending to her. So I pulled up, jumped out the car and ran up the driveway to where they were and asked what happened. Pastor Bev told me that Candace got out the car, she went to the gate, just moved it slightly, went in the opening, around the corner, and she was looking at Pastor Bev, walking with the gate to open it. And it was easy enough for a young child to do that, because it rolled so smoothly. The next minute, this gate fell off the hinges, the rollers. I don't know how that happened. Now, let me just ask you a question here before I tell you the rest of that story. Have you ever dropped a brick or a hammer on your foot? I've done that. I don't recommend you try it. It's pretty painful. Now, imagine this. So he has this gate and Candace is about that high, right there, and this gate falls. She doesn't even know, can't see it coming. Bang, hits her on the head. She sits down on her blessed assurance, and the gate falls on top of her. Now, that should have crushed her, right? And then Pastor Bev runs from her car to Candace, who's under the gate, she picks the gate up with one hand and reaches in, grabs Candace and pulls her out with the other hand. Now, I am perfectly, fully persuaded that either Holy Spirit did that to help her or an angel lifted that gate when she put her hand there to lift it up. It's not natural. There was superhuman strength at work. And... Uh, when she examined Candace, there wasn't even a scratch on the child, not even a scratch. Yes, she was crying from fright, but a short while after that, we're inside the house and she's dancing and singing like nothing happened. And the gate's still lying there. It's so heavy. Now, I can't explain the details of what happened, but I'm fully persuaded that if I did not spend that Sunday morning, all those hours praying in the Holy Ghost, as he unctioned me to do, that Candace would probably not be with us today. And her four children would probably not be with us today. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. And thank God for those burdens that come on us. Don't shake them off. Don't think there's something wrong with you. God's calling you to prayer. The burden could be to avoid a tragedy. 
And sometimes you have a desire to pray. It's not a sad burden. That would be something that God wants to do as far as being, bringing a blessing into your life. Maybe a greater opportunity in a job or an increase or a problem you're going to solve, a giant you're going to slay like Goliath. But whatever it is, if you have a desire to pray given by the Holy Ghost, respond. That's God's grace. That's God's blessing in your life. He's working with you. He's interested in you. He's on your side. That's what that's all about. Don't start thinking you're backslidden. You're not. The devil is a liar. He'll try and stop you from praying. Don't listen to him. Amen? All right. Praise God. So now do not miss next weekend as I continue on talking about 10 reasons why praying in the Spirit is important. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Isn't that wonderful? We've had a wonderful church service here this morning. Let us please bow our heads and let's give those who don't know the Lord the opportunity of having the assurance that they will go to heaven, that their sins are forgiven, and that they know Jesus personally this this morning. All right? If that's you, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you want to know Jesus personally, if you want to know for sure you're going to heaven, I'm going to ask you now to slip your hand up when I count to three. And if you'll do that, God will speak to your heart and put a confirmation in there. You will know that you are bound for heaven, that God is your Father, that you are God's child. You will know it on the inside. So I'm going to ask you to count to, when I count to three, slip your hand up. You ready? And you'll be included in my prayer. God will speak to you. Here we go. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Now, somebody's coming to put their hand on your shoulder to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I pray this prayer. And I invite everybody to say the prayer with me now especially those of you that slipped your hand up. Let's all say the prayer together. Dear God in heaven, thank you for punishing Jesus for my sins so I can be forgiven. Please forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and save my life. Praise God, I am saved, forgiven, Bound for heaven. God is my Father. I'm God's child. Praise God. Now give them all a great big praise God, everybody. Let them know how proud we are of them. The person who prayed with you is going to take you by the hand and walk with you to the prayer room. You'll be there for just a few moments, and then you'll be free to leave. It's very important for you to go. This is about your salvation. So go on and be ministered to God richly bless you. We'll see you next weekend. And remember, Dr. Bev and I love you and we are praying for you continually. So don't miss next weekend. You need to be in church. In church. Tell your friends and family, you need to be in church. God bless you all. Bye for now. 
Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.